Father in heaven, you are a, a holy, holy, holy God, a God who deserves more praise than we can ever offer up to you. You deserve the angels to sing, the rocks to cry out, the mountains to sing, and God, we love you, and we come before you today, and we ask that not only you receive our praise, but that you would speak to us. This morning, we come to your word, and we ask that you would open our ears to behold, and open our eyes to see, and just give us all that you would have for us this morning from your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I invite you to open in your Bibles to Psalm 119 and verse 171 and 172 is where we will look this morning. I'm going to read uh, that section that it's in, the, the last section of Psalm 119, the Ta section. Hear God's word in verse 169. It says, Let my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. Let my plea come before you. Deliver me according to your word. My lips will pour forth praise, for you teach me your statutes. My tongue will sing your word, for all your commandments are right. Let your hand be ready to help me, for I have chosen your precepts. I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Let my soul live and praise you. And let your rules help me. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. God's word is rich. I want to look specifically here this morning at verse 171 and 172. It says, My lips will pour forth praise, for you teach me your statutes, and my tongue will sing of your word, for all your commandments are right. So the theme in these two verses is a theme of praise, of worship. And the question I want to ask, even of myself, as I come to these verses, where David says emphatically, I, I will praise you. I will sing your word. My question for myself was, well, what keeps me from praising? What keeps me from praising him as he deserves. He deserves more than I ever offer him. But what even keeps me from praising him day in and day out? One thing I was able to conclude in my own mind as I just meditated on my own heart was what keeps me from praising God often is sin. Right? Sin in my own life. The, the guilt of sin, it, it, draws me, it, it draws me away from God. Not just in the moment, not just in the act of the sin. Of course, I am not in a favorable presence of God in that moment. He will not uh, endure with sin. So it, it keeps me from God. And, and in the midst of sin, I'm not praising him and I will not praise him. It just won't work. Because in the middle of sin, you are focused on yourself, on your own desires, on what you want. You don't want what God wants in that moment. You're not thinking about God in that moment. In a moment of sin, you think about yourself only. And so sin robs praise from God. And so when I think about what is stopping me from praising, what keeps us from praising, I know first and foremost it's sin and the guilt of sin comes from it. So not just in the moment where I'm looking to myself and my own interest and doing what I want and obviously taking no thought of who God is, but then the moments following where I feel bad, 
I feel wrong. I know I did wrong. Moments or days or months, maybe years, sense of guilt, the weight that is there from the sin that you commit. That often, too, keeps you from praising God. It, it, it keeps you from feeling welcome, for some reason, in His presence. It keeps you from opening your lips in, in, in positive tones towards God because you know what you have done. So, not just the sin itself keeps you from praising God, but then the guilt from that sin keeps you from praising God. And, and on that same note, so does fear. The fear of God, a proper fear of God, a trembling before the Holy One of the universe keeps you from praising Him. I, imagine if, if there was a king in a kingdom and, and you knew that you had done something to offend him, that you harmed his family, that you uh, defamed his name. You would, out of fear of him, not want to approach. You would, you would try to avoid anywhere he is out of fear of him and what he might do because he is powerful. Well, it, it is multiplied when it comes to the God of this universe. Our, our proper fear of him, the trembling before him as we should have, oftentimes maybe keeps us at a distance. When we have sinned, it's not just the guilt, it's not just the moment, but it's also the fear of God, the trembling before him. What else keeps us from praising God is disbelief. I don't believe I'm welcome in God's presence. Don't believe I'm welcome there. I, 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 I have nothing to offer him. He wouldn't want me. I, I've done too much wrong. I, I don't know the right things to say. I, 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 I don't even know how to praise him. Sometimes it's the lack of knowledge, we think. And then ultimately what keeps us from praising God is pride. Pride. We are just too self-focused. Well, that's what pride is, is self-focused. So we're focused on all these things that came before. We're focused on sin. We're focused on that guilt. We're focused on the fear that comes with it. We're focused on, on our feelings of inadequacy. We're just focused on ourselves. And so pride keeps us from praising God, but also not just pride before God. And, and, and that, that we're just not humble enough before God, but also before other people. If there was no music, and it was you and another person, they said, would you sing with me? Some people aren't comfortable with that because they're proud. They're proud. They're too proud. They think, well, I don't have a nice voice, and blah, blah, blah. And so they, just, they won't praise God with others because of pride. They won't just say, you know what, I can't sing, but God deserves it anyways. God deserves these words. God deserves what I'm saying. And so what's amazing is this goes hand in hand with praise and prayer. All of these exact same things keep us from prayer, too, right? Sin keeps us from prayer. We will not pray in the middle of sinning. And then when we feel the weight of the sin, uh, we often are shying away. And we feel the, the guilt and the disbelief. I, I, don't, I don't, God doesn't want to hear my prayers. I have nothing to say. And then pride. I'm not humble enough to come before God. And then I'm also too proud to pray in front of others. Will you pray with me? Shock. You know, crickets, tumbleweed. That's normally what happens uh, with a lot of people. It's pride. Pride keeps us from praising God. And, and praise isn't just in music, right? We, we did a whole series on worship in the Bible. Worship is through prayer. Worship is through hearing the word of God. Worship is through giving. And so when we think about praising God, we often think about singing. But it includes all the other elements of our Christian life. And what keeps us from what God deserves is ourselves and our sin 
and our disbelief. We, we often don't praise God when we don't know what to say. Here's the, the thing about this verse. It says, David says, my lips will pour forth praise for you teach me your statutes. So he has been taught. He knows what to say. And so he pours forth praise. He, he gives it out to God when you don't know what to say. Isn't that interesting that that often keeps us from praising God and even from praying? That we just don't know what to say. That's why over the last seven months we've been doing on Thursdays, pray the Psalms. If you don't know what to say in prayer, you don't know how to praise God, you don't know the words that he deserves, use use his own word. His own word is going to exalt him and elevate him above our own thoughts. So use his word to, to just draw out the themes, the concepts, the the historical account of who God is, what he's done. You don't know what to say. Well, thank goodness we have gifted songwriters for centuries who have given us words to say. How many times do you recall in your own heart and mind a hymn that is, it is words that you could have never come up with, right? Um, a, a mighty fortress is our God. I would have never come up with those words. I thank Martin Luther for coming up with those words. Any, think of your favorite hymns. Great is thy faithfulness. How often is it that you spend time on a daily basis thinking about uh, and even putting into words the, the faithfulness of God and how great it is and how much he deserves honor for that? I'm thankful for that hymn. So, so oftentimes we just don't know what to say in singing. We don't know what to say in prayer, but we have the tools we need and it all comes from the word of God. Here he says, my lips will pour forth praise for you teach me your statutes. It's the word. The word informs our prayer. When we don't know what to say, we must be taught by God's word. What keeps us from praising God is when his way is questioned, is what we see in the second verse. He says, my tongue will sing of your word, for all your commandments are right. So what keeps us from praising God then is when we don't think his way is right. When we maybe face a trial or a pain, or something has come up, and you might not say this out loud to anybody else, but you think, this isn't right. Like, there's no way God could still be in control of this thing, or there's no way God allowed this thing to happen. My God would not have brought me to this thing, or even be walking me through this thing. Sometimes when his way is questioned is when we don't praise him. We're going through this trial, this pain, we're questioning him, we're questioning his way. Even the way, like, you know, the way you learn patience is by having it tried. Like, who of us, that's none of our idea. We don't ever want to learn patience by needing to practice it. But that's the way God has us learn patience. And it's painful. Super painful. How does God teach us about faithfulness when people have been unfaithful to us? How does God teach us about trust well, when we lose trust and confidence in other people? It's pain. It's trials. But God intends it for our good. But how many times do we just... Not think about his ways overall and we just think about ourselves and the moment and the the pain it is. And so we often question his ways and therefore in the moment we don't know what to say. We don't know how to praise him in the midst of pain. That's why I love the hymn, it is well with my soul. Right? The sorrows should come. It it tells it like it is. It tells the truth. It doesn't say, oh, when, when things get better, it is well with my soul. No, no, no. When the trials come. When sorrows come, when the, when the waves are crashing down on me, it is well with my soul. It gives us words that, that speak truth to us that we need. Or um, another song is uh, the song, Blessed Be Your Name. 
in the court, in the bridge, it comes from Job where it says, you give and you take away, yet blessed be your name. Even when you take away, Job says, you, you've given and you take away, and I still choose to say, blessed be your name. Scripture gives us that. We would never, in our sinful flesh, say, blessed be your name, my child's dead. We would never. But that's what Job said. Because he knows that God deserves the praise, and God's in, outside of the situation, in control of the situation, and it's not um, out of his sight or out of his tender care. And so oftentimes when we face trial and pain, we are kept from praising God when his way is questioned. But the word, again, and the right belief about God's word draws us back to a right place of praise. Here in verse 172, he says, My tongue will sing of your word, for all your commandments are right. Everything you have said, everything you have determined, everything you have done is right. We must believe that. We must believe rightly about God's word and we must believe rightly the very word. We must believe that he has spoken to us. And we must believe that it is true and good for us. If, if we are going to survive and if we are going to praise him. What's amazing is if it is mainly sin that keeps us from praising God then it is salvation that opens our lips. Salvation un unseals our lips. And it's amazing because if you read even all of the Old Testament, especially the Psalms is rich with this, right? Where there's just a crying out for deliverance. The, the Old Testament is all about deliverance. Deliver me. When is the deliverance coming? Looking for the deliverer. It's all about seeking deliverance. It, because when you are delivered, you are free then to, as it were, worship. So ultimately, our problem is not that we are in captivity, like sometimes the Israelites were. Our problem is not that we are in a cir circumstance that we need to get out of in order to praise Him. It is that we are in a trapped heart, a heart that has sealed up our lips, a heart that is um, enraptured by sin and captured by sin and controlled by sin is a heart that can't praise God. And so what we need is deliverance. And so if sin seals our lips, salvation opens them because salvation and the gospel frees us from sin and its power on us, including our lips. So the question is, how do we know that? Well, here, even in these two verses, in all of Psalm 119, it points us to how we know it. The word of God tells us. God himself speaks to you a better word than your heart will speak. A better word than, than the enemy will speak and others will speak and say, Who, oh, look at you, aren't you just a great Christian or whatever you are. The word speaks better than that. The word speaks of deliverance and salvation and it belongs to the Lord. And so the question then is, how do we stir up praise? If David here says, my lips will pour forth praise, almost like it's a tap, he just turns on and it's not going off. And then um, verse 172, my tongue will sing of your word. I, I love it. I, I love what he says there in 172. Because he doesn't just say, I'm going to sing. And I'm, I'm not just going to go and sing whatever I want to sing. But, as in John chapter 4, when Jesus was talking with the woman at the well, and she was talking about worship, right? And she was talking about locations and, and people groups. And Jesus said, no, that's not what worship's about. You want to know what worship is about? You want to know what God desires? He wants his people to worship in spirit and in truth. 
In truth. That is, his, the worship towards God is, has boundaries on it. It has guidelines to it. It is true. It's not just whatever. And so here, David says, My tongue will sing of your word. Your word guides my singing and guides. The King James says, uh, my tongue will share of your word or, or something to the like. And so the concept is singing, sharing, proclaiming. It's proclaiming the word of God to others. And so then the question is, how can we stir up this sort of praise in us? If we want to echo David in this, we want this to be true of our lives because we know by our reading of God's word, and by the experience we have with God, that he deserves more praise than we can give him. So I want my life to be able to say this, that I'm just pouring forth praise and I'm singing of your word. So how does that stir up in me? Well, in verse 171, he gives us a hint. He says, my lips will pour forth praise for you. Teach me your statutes. Teach me your statutes or your words. It is taught to me. I'm increasing in my knowledge. If I'm to praise God for who he is and what he has done, do I know it? Do I know who he is? And not just what the, you know, I think, but what the word says. Do I know who he is? Do I know God? Do I know how he is all-knowing? Do I know that he is forgiving of the adulterer? Do I know that he is patient with children? Do I know these things? And so that's why Paul, when he was addressing the Colossian church, I love his prayer for them in chapter 1 of Colossians, because he's praying for a twofold increase in them. I'll read it for you. Colossians chapter 1, here's what it says, in the beginning of verse 9. It says, Paul speaking to them, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. He's praying for them that they would increase in the knowledge of God. That's a twofold knowledge. It's the knowing God that you would know God more personally, intimately. But it also is that they would know more about God. Because the more they know about God, the more they can be intimate with God. The more they can praise God, give him the uh, praise that he deserves. So that's why he prayed for them, that they would be increasing in the knowledge of God. He carries on. He says, with this increased knowledge of God, in verse 11 of chapter 1 of Colossians, he says, being strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy. Listen, it produces giving thanks to the Father. Well, who is this Father? He goes on with, with more knowledge of who God is, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So when Paul is addressing this church at Colossae and encouraging them, he says, I want to encourage you so that you can... Um, be filled and walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. He says, it's about knowing God. Do you know him? And then he goes on to just give this little snippet of things you must know about God, about how he is the one who's delivered us. From that domain of darkness, from being in the dark, from not knowing him, from not knowing the facts, from not knowing about the grace of God, he's delivered us from that. He's transferred us. He's given us redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. And he said... That produces thanksgiving. It produces praise. It gives him what he deserves. 
It's amazing. The one way that we can stir up praise in ourselves is by increasing our knowledge of God, our knowledge of the Word of God. See how He's operated through history and be amazed at Him. And just praise Him for all the times He rescues His people, even after they were guilty and walked away from Him. (laughs) That is so reassuring that you and I, even though you have sinned and fall short of His glory, even though tomorrow you will sin, what you know about God from His Word is that He can forgive you, He'll draw you back, and He'll call you back, and He'll deliver you once again. You know that from His Word. And that should pour forth praise. That should just make your lips go, I don't deserve this, but you deserve glory and honor and everything I could give you, you deserve it. Because I've sinned and my guilt wants to keep me from you and my pride wants to keep me from you, but your word is just drawing me back, drawing me back as you did your people Israel. And so the increasing knowledge of God's word is the first thing in order to stir up more praise within us. I love it. In Luke chapter 19, um, as Jesus is coming in, right, on the donkey, and they're, they're singing Hosanna, and they're, they're praising him as God. And uh, some of the Pharisees, all the Pharisees didn't like that. It says this in Luke 19, it says, As he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice. Listen, for all the mighty works that they had seen. So it wasn't just aimless praising. It wasn't just noise. It was very informed what they were doing. They had seen all these mighty works which proved Jesus to them. And so they knew things and they praised him because of it. They praised God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who has come in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And it says, And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered them, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. He deserves the praise and his creation will praise him if we kept silent. And so the way that his people were praising him in that circumstance is they knew him. Not just personally, but they knew things about him. That helped them in their pouring forth praise. They were taught his statutes. They were taught his ways. The second thing, the second way that we can uh, stir up praise within ourselves is also found in uh, verse 171 is by remembering that you were taught by God. You were taught by God. I love it. He says, you teach me your statutes. It's not just like some person in a Bible study or, or some preacher or any, like you teach me your statutes. Did you know that if you are a believer in Christ, he has given you the Holy Spirit who has come to be your counselor, your teacher, your guide, the one who will open your eyes, the one who will give you wisdom and understanding. He teaches you. And must remember that he's teaching us not just um, about himself, but he's, he's causing us to know him as well. Experientially learning his statutes. You, you know if you have ever um, felt that you're not condemned by God because you believe the cross, you believe the gospel, you, you are not condemned anymore. You believe Romans 8.1 that says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You experience that. You know that. That, that he is not condemning you because of the gospel. You experience his ways. He's teaching you that. He's teaching you to 
to apply Romans 8.1 to your heart. He's teaching you to apply the scriptures to your heart experientially. So when David says, you teach me your statutes, it's not just about head knowledge. It's about experience. I have learned that God is faithful. I have learned that. The scripture tells me, and his statutes, his word tells me, God is faithful. But he's teaching me that, isn't he? I hope he's teaching you things like that as well. That you, you, you know God is omnipresent. You feel his presence. Not just the word tells you, but he's teaching you his presence. When you walk with him, not just as a student with a professor, but as a child with a father, you realize he's taking your hand and he's teaching you. He's teaching you his ways. And that's, that's a way that we can pour forth more praise is realizing that we're not in this on our own and it's not even up to our own uh, intellectual ability. Some people think, well, I'm not very smart. And I'm not a reader, so, so I can't really know God more. Yes, you can. The Holy Spirit, God himself, is in you, teaching you. You don't even need to be able to read to know him and to know more of him and to give him the praise he deserves. He is teaching us his statutes. That's something that we must remember. The third way that we stir up more praise we find in verse 172 is by singing or sharing his word. Singing or or sharing his word. That one is self-explanatory. That as Jesus said to the woman of the well. I desire, he desires uh, those to worship him in spirit and in truth. It is the word of God. That, that uh, is the boundaries around our singing and around our sharing. We're not sharing our own thoughts. We're sharing what God has said. Because that's the thing. you know, People can call you out and point out flaws in your life. But try to make them point out flaws in God's life. Right? Even in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, there's, there's no flaw in him. He was spotless. And so then we point people to him. That's where we take them. We share his word. We sing his words. That's where we ought to go if we want to stir up praise is the word of God. So the question is, do you know the word of God to share it? Do you know the word of God to sing it? What parts are you singing? What parts are you sharing with other people? Are you familiar with it? Is it a tune written on your heart? And that's why even songs we sing are really important. The lyrics are very, very important because you know as well as I do, you remember songs from when you were 10. They're just stuck in your head. You can't get them out of there whether you like it or not. Songs stick. And so we ought to make sure that we have good theological, biblical songs in our head. But sometimes songs are very... um, very one genre even. We don't sing very many songs about lament or struggles or trial. There are some good ones, but there's not enough. Because the, how, how many of us go through trials? All of us. And so we need more songs, more Bible written on our hearts. And so that's where, with, when it comes to lament and trials, we need more just Bible memory because there's not that many songs we can remember. And, but it's important for us to sing and to share the word that will develop in us a greater sense of praise. The more we realize how sufficient his word is, the more we're going to praise him for it. And just like how insufficient I am, but yet, oh man, I have this book of wisdom. I have this book of truth. I have this book that frees me from my guilt and my sin. And so it just stirs up more praise in you when you sing and share the word. And then the fourth and final thing that stirs up more praise in us, found in 172, is by walking by faith and obedience, believing all his ways are right. Walking by faith and obedience, believing his ways are right. The way he sets before you, it may seem hard, it may seem difficult, but you walk by faith. 
You walk by obedience. You just trust him that if this is your way that you've set before me, this way is hard. It is narrow. It has trials, it has pain, it has temptation. It is easier to give in to your flesh. It's easier to do what pleases your own uh, heart. And so, but the way that God has set before you, you walk by faith and obedience because you believe what he says here. All your commandments are right. They are right, and in the end, I know they will satisfy me. As difficult as they are, they will satisfy me. They're good for me, but they will give you the most glory. And so we, if we want to stir up more praise and more adoration in our hearts, we walk by faith in obedience, believing all his ways are right. What keeps us from praising God is sin. But what sets us free is salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. Because when we come to Christ... What happens to our guilt and our shame? It's on him. It's on him. That's amazing that all that we have done, all that carries you down day in and day out, all that you're tempted to draw back from God because of, lay it on Christ. Lay it on him. And that's why in the Garden of Gethsemane, he, he sweat drops of blood in agony over all your sin, in agony over the wrath that would be due your sin. And he went willingly. So that you could be on the other side of the cross free. Free to, to get up. Because the way you get to the cross is by dragging yourself. Humbled on your knees. Through the mud. You come to the cross no other way. And say, I'm unworthy. And he picks you up. And he gives you life. And he says, live on. Live. Truly live. I'll take it all. He takes all your mud. All your filth. All your shame. So that you can walk in praise of God. Walk in freedom of life. It, it says it was for freedom that we were set free in Galatians. Are you free and are you worshiping him in your freedom? Can you resound with David that, that your lips pour forth praise, that your tongue will sing of his words? I pray that on a daily basis we might uh, intentionally do this more. We might intentionally think about the praise that God deserves and even about our inadequacy in it, right? You know that even if you sang 24 hours a day, you still would not give God enough praise. He deserves far more than we can ever offer. But yet, we desire for our life to be just a, a heart of praise, a heart of thanksgiving. It's not always singing, right? We know it's prayer, being in God's word, giving attention to God's word, memorizing God's word. All of these things bring praise to God, sharing God's word. So let us be people then who, who give God what he deserves. Praise and adoration, honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's, let's pray to that end for our hearts that this would transform us. Oh God, you are holy, holy, holy. And awesome in power, wonderful in all of your ways, and limitless in all of your attributes. You deserve more than we can ever say about you. Great is too small a word. Awesome is too small a word. There is nothing that can describe you perfectly and what you deserve from us. And so we thank you that you've made a way for the veil to be torn through the Lord Jesus Christ and we can come to you. We can be in your presence and be in your presence without guilt or shame. That through the gospel of the Lord, we have been set free. Help us then, God, to be those who give you what you deserve and praise. We need your help in Jesus' name. Amen.